a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, over these next two or three weeks, uh, what I'd like to do is look at some different characters from the Christmas story. In case you hadn't noticed, Christmas is just around the corner. I'm sorry if that's a surprise for some of you, if some of you weren't prepared for this, if it was a shock to you, but I'm sure that many of you will have done all your Christmas shopping now, written all the cards, posted them all, wrapped all the presents, got the tree, taken your wallet to buy the tree, (laughs) or maybe not. Some of you joined us yesterday as we were uh, singing carols in the Westfield Shopping Centre. If you came to that, thank you so much for coming and supporting that. It's a great uh, afternoon uh, as we uh, sang some carols with other churches. But you may have noticed that Christmas is nearly here. So being, trying to stay in touch with the festive season, I wanted to look at a couple of characters over the next couple of weeks and see what can we learn? Ask the question, what can we learn from them? So this week, I want to begin by looking at Mary. We're going to begin by looking at Mary. Now, in Protestant churches, we can look at how certain traditions of the church have exalted Mary to a place where really she was never meant to be, and we've reacted, almost gone to the other extreme, never daring mention her for fear of getting something wrong. But actually, I think that's a shame. Because I want to suggest this morning there's much we can learn from Mary without exalting her to a place that only Jesus, Jesus, get my teeth in, should have. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at this morning. That's who we're going to look at. If you've got your Bibles with you, if you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1, please. While you're finding Luke chapter 1, let me just summarise the, the first part of it for you. We're not going to read it all, but you may be familiar or maybe not with the Christmas story. It doesn't matter either way because I'm going to just highlight a few things for you. Luke is writing an account of uh, what happens in the earthly life of Jesus. And uh, he says that quite a lot of people have undertaken to to write an account, but he is going to write an orderly account. I like that. He's going to write an orderly account. I can imagine Luke having seen some of the others' accounts and thought, well, they're fine, but they're not very orderly. So he's writing his orderly accounts here. And uh, we get told about the birth of John the Baptist. Here was a guy that God sent to prepare the way for Jesus to come. So we're told a bit about how John the Baptist was born. And uh, we'll probably come back to that uh, in, in just a little while. And uh, we find that uh, he's born to a couple named Zachariah and Elizabeth. And there in verse 26, we find that uh, the birth of Jesus is foretold. So Elizabeth uh, is uh, an, an older lady. We, we, we discover that Zachariah and Elizabeth are an elderly couple. And uh, she has become pregnant And six months into her pregnancy, in the sixth month, verse 26 of Luke 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. 
the angel said to her, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. It's a good greeting, isn't it? I like that. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Maybe that's one of those verses you've got underlined in your Bible. Nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Okay, let's pray and then we'll look at these verses together. Father, we thank you for this account uh, of uh, supernatural activity and you at work. And we pray now that as we look at these few verses together, that you would speak to us, God, would you uh, apply these verses to us, that, uh, Lord, you might do us good as we look at this character of Mary and see what we can learn from her this morning. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. John, can I borrow your pen just a second, please? Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, so what do we know about Mary then? Why did God choose her? Out of all the godly Jewish women of the time, why this one? Why her? Why Mary? Well, we don't know a lot about her, but we know a little bit. We know that she was from Nazareth. We know that Nazareth, is anybody from Nazareth here? We're, okay, I shall carry on. Nazareth with us is a pretty small, insignificant town. If you've been from Nazareth, I would have put it slightly differently. But we know it's pretty insignificant. The town, we're told by commentators, had a certain independence about it. And, and that led strict Jews to scorn it. Maybe you're familiar with a character called Nathaniel. And when he heard about this Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph, Nathaniel said, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? In, uh, in, in John 1. Nazareth didn't have a very good reputation. A bit like, well, it would be unfair of me to name any town, wouldn't it? I mean, you, you can fill in the blank, okay? So a bit like... 
Milton Keynes, or, you know, somewhere that you're not knowing from Milton Keynes on it. It's okay, Tim's not here, I'm safe. Wherever it might be, it didn't have a very good reputation about it. And uh, Mary uh, was probably in her early teens, and um, it's interesting, isn't it? God has a habit of choosing unlikely people from unlikely places. God has a habit of choosing unlikely people from unlikely places. Mary and indeed Joseph would have been quite young. Neither were from the capital city, probably neither university educated. Joseph had a manual, albeit a skilled job. And yet God called them and used them wonderfully for his purposes. Do you sometimes wonder if God has missed you? If you perhaps think you should be somewhere else, or maybe somebody else? Time and again, we see in Scripture that it doesn't matter where you've come from, it's where you're going that counts. It doesn't matter where you've come from, it's where you are going that counts. So, where are you going? Where are you headed? Is it where God has called you? Or are you doing a Jonah and sort of running and trying to get in the opposite direction as quick as you can? It's not where you come from that's important here, but it is important where you're heading to. And for Mary, she's heading right in the right direction. She is being blessed by God and discovering that she can be used by God in a way that she wouldn't have imagined in her wildest dreams. And friends, age is no barrier to God using you either. Think about all the young people in the Bible that God used. People like Samuel, people like David, like young Mary here, like the disciples who would have been not that old. Jesus said in Luke 18, didn't he, to let the little children come to him and not to hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, he said. So God loves children, God loves young people, and God can use them and work through them and bless them wonderfully, incredibly. I'm sure many of us had an experience of, you know, young children saying something really so profound that we couldn't have put in better words ourselves. But just as young age is a no barrier to being used by God, Neither is old age. Zachariah and Elizabeth, remember she gave birth to John the Baptist, were much older. We're told in verse 18 of Luke chapter 1 that Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. It's a great phrase, isn't it? She's past it, he's saying to the angel. He's got no chance of babies. She's, you know, a long time ago and I'm old. A bit like other people in the Bible, isn't it? That Remember Abraham and Sarah? Who also struggled to believe it was going to be possible. But here were an elderly couple that God took hold of and used wonderfully. So the angel Gabriel is sent on his mission to visit Zechariah to promise him a son. And Zechariah still doesn't believe even though he's got Gabriel telling him that it's going to happen. You know, this isn't just any angel here. It's not your ordinary, run-of-the-mill, regular angel. It's Gabriel that God has sent. And still, Zechariah 
doesn't get it. You know, Gabriel stands in the presence of God. And Zechariah doubted. Hmm, I bet he he regretted that. (laughs) So just to make his point, Gabriel made sure that Zechariah couldn't speak until John the Baptist was born. It would have made telling his wife quite difficult, wouldn't it? I like to think about that. How would he have got around that one? You know, come home for a couple of weeks serving at the temple and um, can't speak. And by the way, you're going to have a baby. It's, it's going to be quite tricky, wouldn't it, really? But God was going to use him and use Elizabeth wonderfully. In the Old Testament, we've said already, Abraham was getting on a bit. I mean, Noah, he was 600 years when the flood came. Anybody 600? No, I don't think we are yet. So, I mean, God uses people of all ages. So listen up. Don't ever let your age be an excuse for not serving God. Don't ever use your age as an excuse for saying, God couldn't use me. Never say, well, it's always about the older people, or it's always about those who are more mature, who are more experienced, who have served God faithfully for years, who have you know, got all the knowledge and experience. God can use them. Never say that. And similarly, if you're at the other end of the spectrum, never say, oh, I wish I'd served God more in my youth. I, I can't do it now. It all seems to be about the young people. I, I wish I'd served God, God then. I'm just going to you know, see out my days now. And Never say that. Never let your age be an excuse for not serving God. So whether you're young or old, however you define those terms, or whether you're somewhere in the middle, where Paul referred to Timothy, didn't he, uh, as being young, and most commentators reckon Timothy was about 40. Oh, that's, that's good, I like that. So I'm, I'm very young in that case. <laughs> Just. Don't think you're too young. Don't think you're too old. You can still dream dreams. You can still have visions. You can still be used by God if you'll let him. The question is this. Will you respond with doubt, like Zechariah, or will you respond with faith, like Mary? How will you respond? So, what do we know about Mary? Well, we know that she's a woman of humility. A woman of humility. In her song, which we didn't read, but it was in the following verses, where just after we stopped, so verses 46 through to, to 55 there, Mary talks about her humility. Now, you could argue that's not really very humble, is it, to say, talk about your humility and talk about how humble you are. But it does seem that she has a genuine humility. Maybe she's aware of her humble background, her upbringing, her status in society. She knows her sort of place, if you like, or her family's place, where she fits. But she's okay with that. She's a a humble attitude. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, says this. He says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. 
so that no one may boast before him. God has a habit of choosing unlikely people from unlikely places. So don't write yourself off. Never write yourself off. And what we see from Mary is that even though she's had a visit from Gabriel, who's quite busy it seems at this particular time, even though she's been told she's going to give birth to the Son of God, so it's a fairly important mission, really, she she manages to remain humble. I wonder, if God had come to you, if you sort of went home and tonight Gabriel was sent to you and had, had that sort of message for you of that sort of magnitude... Would it go to your head or would you remain humble? It'd be easy, wouldn't it, to let, to, to let it go to your head and think, hey, visit from Gabriel. Not just any angel you know, but Gabriel. And you should have heard the message he had. You should have heard the mission that God's got for me. Oh, it's going to be marvellous. It'd be easy for Mary to let it go to her head. But she didn't. Maybe that's why God chose her. Maybe that's one of the reasons why God knew he could use her. Because she remains humble. Too often when God speaks to us, we can let it go to our heads. And we get ideas above our station, we get all puffed up about it. We consider ourselves above correction. You know, too in tune with God, we've had the angel visit or whatever it might be. To put it bluntly, we can become super spiritual. Don't get like that. Learn from Mary. She became accustomed to hanging out with angels. Lots of them when she gave birth to Jesus. She was like, oh, we're angels, yeah, used to that. Seen seen that before. Shepherds are like, angels! And Mary's like, oh, it's okay, angels, yeah, they're they're fine. She was used to it. But she remained humble. Moses was someone who God spoke to face to face. Clearly and not in riddles, we're told in Numbers 12. And yet we're also told in the same chapter of Numbers that Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. Maybe that's why God could use him as well. So there is a tension here that we have to hold on to. God has called us, we need to be sure and certain of that, confident in it, but not arrogant. Remaining humble, acknowledging that it's all by God's grace. Anyway, nothing that we've done has earned it. But don't go to the other extreme either. You know, oh, I'm nothing, I'm just a worm, I'm useless. We might carry on. Hold the two ends in tension there. Remain humble, because God looks for and values humility. He makes it clear, in fact, in Scripture, that either we need to humble ourselves, or he will humble us. What do you think the better deal is here? We have a choice, I would suggest. (laughs) Either humble yourself, or God will humble you. I know which I'd rather do. I'd rather make sure that I'm on the humbling myself track, if that's okay. And I'm sure you would too. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 12, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So do you want to be humbled or exalted by God? It's a no-brainer, really, isn't it? We don't have to think very hard about this. So let's take some advice from what the Bible says. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 1 Peter 5, verse 5. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. 
Because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. We don't want to be in a position, do we, where we're opposing God. So let's make sure we're humble and remain humble before him. Micah 6, verse 8, puts it like this. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Mary was a woman of humility. She was also a woman of obedience. A woman of obedience. This encounter with God, this meeting with the angel, this was going to change her life forever. Her life was never going to be the same again. Maybe she didn't fully understand all the implications at this stage, but she was obedient. Bear in mind, she wasn't married, she was betrothed to Joseph. Now, that's got a stronger sense to it than our idea of engagement, but she still wasn't married to Joseph. She certainly hadn't slept with him yet. And in that culture, having a child outside marriage would have been looked down upon. And now she's got to explain things to Joseph. I mean, think about what's going through her mind now. She's had the visit from Gabriel. Now she's got to explain to Joseph that she's going to have a baby. And, oh yeah, it's going to be the son of God. Fortunately for Mary, an angel helps out and uh, informs Joseph of what's going on in Matthew chapter 1. But she's obedient. But she's got a price to pay, isn't she, for this obedience? Think about it. 33 years later, she's going to have to watch her son die a painful, agonising death on a cross. There's a cost to her obedience. But still she obeys. And she obeys with great grace and gratitude to God. Listen to how she puts it. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said, in Luke 1, 38. So what is it that God has asked of you this morning? What is it that God has asked of you? If you're a Christian here this morning, and I guess many of you would be, I guess you'd be able to answer that question. You may not be able to answer it with a specific, that may not come to mind immediately, but don't worry, because God has given lots to us in his word for us to be getting on with anyway. So walking humbly with our God in Micah 6 verse 8 will be a good start. Preaching the kingdom of God, healing the sick, raising the dead and cleansing those who have leprosy, driving out demons in Matthew 10 verse 8. How are we getting on with that one? Going and making disciples of all nations in uh, Matthew 28, 19. Being clear-minded and self-controlled, 1 Peter 4 verse 7. Loving each other deeply, 1 Peter 4 verse 8. And 1 Peter 4 verse 9, offering hospitality without grumbling. There is a few that I happen to pick out. So God has said lots to us already. And if you're thinking, well, I'm not sure what God said to me, well, my question is this, how are you doing on those? If you've done all those and you're, you're fine on all, you ticked all those boxes, then maybe you've got a fair argument to go back to God and say, need some more to do, Lord. <laughs> but I guess for most of us, we're still working our way through that list. How are we doing on them? Christians sometimes can be paralysed because they say, I don't know what God's will for my life is. I don't know what to do. They can sort of freeze and become paralysed with the experience. Well, if that's you this morning, if you're thinking, I just don't know what to do. 
Well, I suggest, go back to the list we've just looked at, for starters, and be getting on with that. And as you do that, even if you haven't had that specific word from God yet, like move to this place, or go here, or do that, that's okay. Just carry on doing what God has given you to do anyway. And it's in that context, as you keep doing that, and honouring God, that probably the specific word will come later. Don't just freeze. Don't get paralysed and sit around going, well, I don't know what to do with my life. I'm just going to sort of sit here until God says something. Listen, God has said lots already. And it's as we're faithful to that and faithful to him that he then says more to to us. Mary was just going about her everyday life, seeking to honour God as best she could, and then God broke in and gave her that specific That would have been true for me. As a teenager, I knew that God had called me to something. I had lots of uh, people say to me, I know God has called you for something, which wasn't really terribly helpful because they never told me what it was. So people often came up to me and said, I know God has called you for something. I'm like, well, that's great. What is it? And And there's never any more detail. So I knew God had said something to me, but I really hadn't got a clue what it was. And then in my early 20s, God spoke to me about church planting. And I felt that God had really stirred that in me and spoke to me really clearly about it. But still, I didn't know where it was to be, when it was going to happen, and how it was all going to work out. So I carried on being faithful as best I could with what God had given me at the time. So I tried to honour God in my work, in my daily work. I served him in the church. I didn't just sit around and say, well, I know God's called me. I I think it's church planting, so I'll just sort of sit here. I'm not going to do anything until God makes it clear. I just got on trying to serve God as best I could. And then one day, totally unexpectedly, I hasten to add, God spoke to me about moving to Derby and planting a church here. You see, I want to suggest to you that if you're faithful with what God has said generally, and you're serving him as best you can in your everyday life, then that's the best time for God to be able to speak a specific to you. If you're just sitting around going, well, I'm not going to do anything until God gives me this specific word, then it actually may not come. It may be that God wants to test your heart, to test your obedience and faithfulness in what is said already. So don't panic if you haven't got that specific word yet, if you're not sure about the finer detail. Just carry on serving God, being faithful to him in what he's given you already. And as you do that, you then give opportunity to him to speak to you and direct you in more detail. Think about it like this. If you imagine a huge boulder, I mean, taller than me, wider than me, that would be very wide, um, huge boulder, to start moving it, is quite hard. And if you're going to push it in a certain direction from being static, that's quite difficult. But if this same boulder is already moving, then it's not that hard to just push it a little bit at an angle and change the direction. Friends, it's the same with your life. If you're moving and honouring God, serving him, being faithful to him as best you can in what he's given you already, then it's much easier for him just to Give you a little word that changes direction slightly, puts a new spin on it, just add something to it, than it is to get you moving from started. So be faithful to God in what he's given you already. 
Be like Mary, who was a woman of obedience. We need to pick up some speed. Thirdly, she was a woman of faith. Mary was a woman of faith. Luke 1.38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. That is an outstanding response of faith. Through someone who's just been told that they're going to get pregnant and they're going to give birth to the Son of God. Not your everyday occasion. But still Mary responds with faith. Quite different to Zachariah's response when Gabriel visits him, who doesn't really believe him. God looks for faith. And just as we looked at last week, when it comes to the area of healing, we said that God looks for faith. God loves faith, in fact. Actually, it's true in every area of our Christian life. God looks for and loves and blesses faith. He's not expecting us to have all the answers. Not expecting us to have it all worked out. But he is looking for faith. And the good news is that God gives us faith when we really need it sometimes. So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says this in verse 8. He says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and other gifts as well. So God does give faith if we ask him. So maybe do you need God to give you faith for something this morning? Maybe God has said something to you and you're struggling to believe it. Wondering how it might work out. Thinking, that's just too big, it's impossible. How could I do that? Maybe this morning God wants to give you faith for it. As Paul talked about here. What is it you need faith for? Is it your family? Is it your finances? Perhaps in this sort of you know, economic climate we're in. Everything on the news, you're getting worried about it. Maybe you need, to give God, maybe you need God to give you faith for that area of your life? Is it your job? Is it what he's called you to? Is it a relationship? I believe God wants to give gifts of faith this morning. As I was preparing this week, as I was praying, I had a picture of a Christmas tree with small boxes hanging off it, labelled for different individuals. And I felt God say they were gifts of faith. Gifts of faith that he wanted to give this morning. And, And friends, I believe he's going to do that but you need to apply it. Just like a present, you need to open it to, for it to do you any good. You need to apply that faith this morning. Don't just let it sit there unopened and unused. Mary was a woman of faith. You can be a man or woman of faith too. And finally, Mary was a woman of worship. The second part of the, uh, the chapter in Luke 1 we didn't read records Mary's song of worship. It has echoes of Hannah's prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. She was the mother of the prophet Samuel. And uh, and like Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, Hannah too had prayed for years for a child. And when God answered her prayer, she dedicated the child, Samuel, to God. So Mary's worship and Hannah's prayer come to that too. Are these sort of expressions of worship and thanks to God for what he's done. They come out of a heart that is totally in love with God. Mary's heart was one of worship. God had done something marvellous and was worthy to be praised for it, worthy, worthy to be thanked. So I want to ask you, how's your worship? How's your worship? Are you in love with God? 
Mary's song seems to come from a heart that is used to worshipping God. Actually, it seems to come from a heart that just loves to worship Jesus, loves to worship God, in her case. It was not an unusual exercise for her. So that when something happens that she wants to praise God for, she can do it. She's used to doing that. She loves to sing. She loves to worship God. It's not unusual for her. So what about you? Is your worship something that just happens on a Sunday morning as we're gathered here? Or do you give time to worshipping him during the week? Let's learn to worship. Let's learn to be worshippers. Not just on a Sunday, not just in a corporate meeting, but as a lifestyle. Worship isn't just singing songs. Paul says in Romans 12, it encourages us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Because he says this is your spiritual act of worship. So worship actually is how you live your life. How you are with your boss. What you're like with your husband or wife. Your flatmate. Your friends. It's as much that as it is singing here on a Sunday morning. So how's your worship? Mary was a woman of humility, a woman of obedience. She was a woman of faith and a woman of worship. What about you? Could you be described as a man or woman of humility, of obedience, of faith, of worship? What areas do perhaps you need to grow in? If Jesus was stood here this morning, what would you ask of him? How would you respond to him? Well, friends, he is here by his spirit. He's promised his spirit here. So I'd like us to stand now and we're going to ask him to come. So if we can stand together, we're going to pray and and ask God to do some stuff. There are a few things that I felt this morning that God wanted to do, and I'd just like us to pray about those before we finish. Just give God an, opp- God an opportunity to do those things in some lives. The first was for us to grow in areas of humility, in obedience, in faith, and in worship. And you might be thinking, yeah, I need to grow in that area. Or I need to just, you know, to have, to have some growth in, in that particular part of my life. Well, we're going to pray for you in just a second. But secondly, I believe God wants to give gifts of faith this morning. I don't know what area of it of your life it is that you need faith for, but I feel God wants to give gifts of faith very specifically to some individuals this morning. And uh, I'd like, like to pray for you particularly. Maybe there's an area of your life where you're struggling to be obedient that I feel God wants to give you grace for this morning. And then lastly, just as we... I haven't thought of this before this morning. Just as I read the verse out, I felt God prompt me on it which is verse 45 of Luke 1. It says, Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. I just felt that that verse would speak to somebody, particularly this morning. That God wants to bless you for believing that what God has said to you will be accomplished. I don't know who that is or what that means in terms of your circumstances, but... Just as we read it, I felt God highlight that verse 
And uh, I feel God wants to bless someone this morning for your believing that what the Lord has said to you will be accomplished. So I'm going to pray and to ask the Holy Spirit to come and we'll see what God wants to do among us, okay? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word to us. We thank you for the example of Mary. Thank you for her humility. Thank you for her obedience, her faith and her worship. And Father, I pray for each of us now this morning that, Lord God, we would live lives of humility. We would live lives of obedience lives of faith, and lives of worship that truly honour you. Father, I want to pray for any this morning who maybe would say, yeah, I just need to grow a bit in that area, or I'm struggling with humility, or obedience, or faith, or worship, or whatever it might be. Father, I pray now that you would come. And uh, friends, if that's you, then you just stand before God now as we stand in his presence, maybe lift your hands to him. And ask him to come to you and help you in that area. It's not about your striving. It's not about you trying harder. It's about God coming to you, giving grace for you to live in humility, obedience, faith, worship. So Father, I pray for any this morning who feel they need to grow in those areas. I pray, Father, for growth in humility, for growth in obedience, growth in faith, in worship. I pray, Holy Spirit, come now as we stand in your presence, O God. We we pray that you would come and do what only you can. Thank you, Lord. It's not about us just trying harder and working hard to being humble or, or trying harder to be obedient. But, Lord, it's about your grace coming to us. So, Father, I pray for your grace to come now in these areas, for growth in these areas, that lives would honour you. Father, where there's been struggle before, I pray for grace to come. Lord, where there's been a lack of belief before, I pray for faith to come. Let it come now, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Do it, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord. If you feel you responded to that picture of the Christmas tree with gifts of faith, can I ask you just to put your hand up where you are? Please, I'm going to pray for you particularly. Maybe you need a gift of faith this morning for something particularly in your life. It could be a whole, it could be anything. I don't know what it is. Maybe a gift of faith. You feel God speaking to you. You think, yeah, you need, need faith for that this morning. Holy Spirit, would you come, please? I pray, Lord God. Come and give gifts of faith this morning. Faith for the future. Faith for the way forward. Faith for uh, finances. Faith for relationships. Faith for you working out what you've said. Faith for you being faithful to promises that you've made. Holy Spirit, come please. Come Lord Jesus. Come Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that you are a faithful God. I pray now you'd come and give gifts of faith right now. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. I'll read that 
verse from Luke 1 again. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed are you if you believe that what the Lord has said to you will be accomplished. God wants to bless you for that this morning, if that's you. If God has spoken something to you, and you've believed him for it, I feel God wants to bless you for it this morning. You might know fresh grace for it, fresh empowering for it, but also fresh blessing from God. Father, I pray you'd come and bless this morning. For those who have believed what you've said, Lord, that will be accomplished, I pray that you would bring a blessing from the Holy Spirit. Would you come, Lord God? Come, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing a song of worship together as we close. And as we do that, if you put your hand up just a moment ago, or if you responded to this word about being blessed because of uh, believing what God has spoken to you, I just want to pray for you and get others in the church to pray with you. So just as we sing, we're going to not do this for long. We're, we're out of time, really. We're going to sing a song through of worship together. Can I ask you to come really quick to the front? and We're going to pray for you. There'll be others in the church who come and lay hands on you and pray for you. Pray that you would know that gift of faith that God wants to give you. Also that you might know God's blessing as you respond in faith to him. So if you put your hand up just a moment ago, can you come real quick as we sing? Or if you responded to this word about receiving God's blessing for being obedient to him, you come too. And real quick as we sing, we're going to pray for you and expect the Holy Spirit to come. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.